Thank you for listening to and or watching The Best Barbecue Show. I am here at Terry Black's Barbecue with two of the hardest working men in barbecue, uh, Mike and Mark Black. They are uh, old school from Lockhart themselves, part of uh, many, part of a few of the, the old families of Lockhart. And uh, they have created a factory for brisket here in uh, almost downtown Austin. How's it, how's it going, guys? Going good, man. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Going really, really good. Uh, so how many briskets y'all cooking today? Let's see. Today we got a big order going on. I think we're going to start today with 206. Nice. And that's what, a Wednesday? So you guys doing 300 on Saturdays uh, yet? No, no, <laughs> no. Today's, we got a big catering for an event that I think is taking 50 briskets. So that's where a lot of that's going. On a Saturday though, you know, we'll do 225, 250. It really just depends on. You know what's going on caterings orders things like that and that's on on top of that is what on top of that a couple hundred racks of ribs stuff like that yeah so i mean uh, beef ribs you know we'll do a hundred sometimes 120 and then pork ribs same thing a hundred sometimes 130 uh, pork ribs on saturday is 150 160 amazing uh so you know you you guys grew up around barbecue your whole lives you know, in classic Lockhart, you've kind of helped turn Austin into the new capital of Texas barbecue. Uh, what's, uh, you know, t- t- tell me an old story from growing up in, uh, in the world of barbecue. Old story? Uh, let's see, we started obviously in Lockhart a- at a young age. We started chopping wood there and my grandfather owned a bunch of buildings. So we, we did all the maintenance. We worked on, on roofs for many years in the blazing hot and we never wanted to get up before the crack of noon so we always worked on the roof so like 1 2 3 p.m. it was crazy hot but uh we did that we chopped wood just helped out around the restaurant um until we got old enough and I eventually graduated college and started working at the restaurant and the rest is history you can read it all on google right I, I don't know is there is there a proper article out there telling y'all's story None of them are proper. They're all uh, they're all what you would refer to as fake news. But uh, I guess there's some some tad bits of truth in some of them. <laughs> well, and y'all have what uh, on your mom's side, Kreutz and Smitty's. Is that how yeah, it works? Yeah, mom's uh, Nina who owns Smitty's is my mom's cousin, and then of course Blacks is my dad's family. And uh, was it you know if you went back to talk to your ten year old self? and say, hey, you're going to work in barbecue, and you're going to have, you know, cook the most barbecue in Austin when you're when you're older. Would you think you would have believed it? or No way. I, I didn't think we'd get into barbecue. You know, I went to te- Texas State as a finance major, and he was at UT as an economics major, and, and we thought we'd both go into the, the stock market route, you know. And at that time, I graduated in 2010, and the markets were kind of down. I started working there at the family business. And fell in love with it, really. I loved cooking barbecue. I love my, my coworkers. And it just it led us to this opportunity. When we were kids, barbecue wasn't super successful. I mean, through the 90s, it was not as popular 
as it is now. And the restaurant struggled a lot. Wasn't until the late 2000s till it started being really successful. I think in 2006, my dad Terry got Black's Barbecue and Lockhart on the um, Travel Channel on a show called Food Paradise. And before that, they were losing money for years and years and years. And actually talked about moving the location, it's still in Lockhart, but moving it to 183 uh, to so take advantage of that. Highway. Yeah, closer to the highway to take advantage of that traffic. Decided not to. And uh, he got them on the, the Travel Channel, and then the business just took off. What uh, Do you know who hosts that? I don't know if I've even watched that show before. They, you know, they still run it because it still gets picked up by the Travel Channel. So, you know, sponsors, advertisers still pick up that 2006 Barbecue Paradise show. So I, I catch it every once in a while, but I don't know. Well, and speaking of, I mean, how many different – you guys had, what, Food Insider came – and that exploded. You you had a long list of famous people eating here, and you have a favorite story from just kind of like having so many people in here wanting to shoot y'all's food. The Food Insider was the craziest one. I mean, the last time we looked across all platforms, it was somewhere close to forty million views. Yeah, I think it hit like fifteen or something like fifteen million in, in a week. Um, it, it it blew up. It was crazy. So we had people all over the world. Coming here to just try the beef rib, try the beef rib after that that food insider, which was like a two minute clip on on Instagram. Yeah, so it's insane the power of social media and Instagram. Well, and uh, right after that, what's her name uh, came here, R- Raskowitz or whatever. Oh, uh, Emily Radajkowski. Yeah, exactly. How you yeah, she's been in a couple times, man. So. Uh, it's it's just so funny because all of a sudden you see this picture, y'all are tagged in, and it's like, oh shit. That's like as she was eating a pork rib, the, the pita people were flaming her, but she's been back, so it's that's been several times, yeah. Well, so tell me about Terry, you know, uh, his name's on, on the sign. Uh, did you guys just feel like uh, you needed to put his name up there? Or you just like the name Terry Blacks or what? <laughs> well, the story I always tell is when we got into this space, you know, he didn't want to name it after me, and I sure as hell didn't want to name it after him, so he settled on <laughs> on Terry's name. But really, it's just kind of a, you know an honor to put our dad's name on the, the board. He's done so much for us, and he's been you know such an integral part of our success. So you know, kind of honoring him, and uh, he loves it. So he's an accountant in Lockhart, but he helps us you know with so many so many things. I bet he pops in every once in a while. I think I saw him at Texas Monthly last year, right? Yeah, he stops in every once in a while, checks it out. So he's still doing the accounting thing in Lockhart, but hopefully he, he retires soon and can do what he loves to do. He loves to be the plumber around here oh, yeah? and, and do little odds and ends. That's, that's his passion. Well, speaking <laughs> of, Mike, you're, it sounds like you're kind of always – I've been here, you're building carts and putting things together, and it sounds like you're always kind of putting out fires or fixing something here. You kind of have to. You, you, you start – if you don't find a maintenance man, you become the maintenance man, right? Um, and it's so expensive to get a plumber, an electrician, you know, just a handyman to come in and do work. So you find yourself just doing it all. You save a ton of money, but you learn a lot. And then you can, you know, fix things a lot quicker than you can call someone and, and get on their schedule to come down here. So I've become a, a jack of all trades, a master of none, though. Well, and you all have a pretty solid staff, too. Well, you got about 100 people working here at this point? Eh, there's close to 90, give or take. Um, but, yeah, we got people that started with us since day one. I mean, it's amazing. And year one, like probably 25, 30 people that started with us year one. So 
Uh, it's a fine-tuned machine, man. That's that's due to the staff. They kill it. Yeah, and I, I love coming in because it, it is nice to see the same people saying hi to everybody. And uh, I, j- I just really enjoy coming here. Obviously, you guys know that because I, I stopped down the hill. You know, I live right up the hill, and it's a, it's just a. I I, I feel so lucky that you know one of the, one of the better places in Austin is is a walking distance. And this morning all these construction trucks it almost would have been faster for me to walk down here that's crazy uh so y'all kind of started in lockhart now you have now this is the only terry blacks you know some people get blacks and terry blacks confused this is the only terry blacks but i've heard that there's a new one opening is that right it's coming man november uh mid-november deep ellum dallas texas is is what's happening you guys pretty excited about that Excited, nervous. Let's see, two weeks ago, I think we had four people on staff. And November 1, we need to have 90 people on staff to open. So we'll see. I think we've got 45 hired right now. And our general manager and two of our other managers are up in Dallas interviewing on a daily basis. So we're we're trying to get people hired, get them trained. We've been sending people down to Austin to train for a couple weeks now, pit guys. and then November we'll s- one is when we're gonna start training up there, though. Yeah, not official training in in Dallas. So excited oh. about that! Are you guys just gonna run a few test cooks? Is there like? Oh, so believe it or not, the the pit staff has been the easiest thing to hire by far. So, wow. like Mike said, I think right now we got a total of six guys here that have been here going on three weeks. Some of them. And then we have two of our guys um, that have been with us for three years plus that are moving up there full time. Um, then I'll be up there as well. So when it comes to the quality of the food in the pits, it's the least I'm worried about now. When it comes to the cutters and some of the other stuff, a um, little more anxiety about that. And is it the same setup? You're going to do a bunch of cutting stations and a big trough for drinks and all that? Right. Yeah, same traditional you know, Central Texas market-style setup. The building will be about twice the size, though. We'll be able to do some events. We'll have two event rooms, um, a cool two-story patio outside. And then um, as you're waiting in line, you'll be able to look through glass windows and see the pits. So it's going to be set up similar, but really, really unique. More efficient overall. Um, showcase the pits a little bit more. Kind of how we have it now where you can see them in the parking lot here. They'll all be in one spot. Everyone will queue up around them, kind of old school style. Uh, it's going to be exciting, man. Yeah, I mean, it sounds incredible. Was, was there some, I'm sure you had a, a a few thoughts on design, a few things. You know, everyone says their third restaurant is perfect. So how, does it feel good to kind of have this new space to, to kind of get to rearrange everything? Kind of Terry Black's too, I guess you could call it. Oh, it's amazing because, you know, obviously our first location here on Barton Springs Road, when we got in here, we just piecemealed it. We, we had to work with the space that we had, so we designed it around this building. But, and this is 5,000 square feet here in uh, Barton Springs Road. In Dallas, we had two buildings side by side. We've combined them to make it one building, and we've got a little over 11,000 square feet. So we've been able to design it exactly how we want it, and it's going to be awesome. Well, and, and you need to have kind of some vision if you want to create something like this, right? Like you could have just built the same thing and done it the same way, but the idea is to kind of upgrade, right? 
Yeah, I mean, what, the design we came up with in Deep Ellum kind of fits the area, you know, whereas this is a little bit more down-home country, kind of lodgy feel. There it's a little more industrial, kind of fits that area a little bit more. Um, and then getting to do the layout where we had two square boxes or rectangular boxes compared to this building with all the different shapes and levels and stuff was, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty unique to work up there in a, such a wide open environment to be able to create it. Well, and you've been going up there, so, you know, do you, do you get a sense or people kind of knocking on the door wondering what's happening up there or? No, nah, I mean, we've kept it pretty low key. Um, you know, we're going to ease into it. We want to make sure we're happy with the cooks and the food and all that before, uh, it gets too crazy because we think that'll come. Yeah, that's the last thing we want to do is blast it and market and advertise. Hey, grand opening. We want to ease into it, get our people trained. As opposed to, you know, here when we opened, it's like fire and fury, man. They were just beating down the door, and, and we were we were underprepared here. We opened too fast. Should have waited a few more weeks, get people trained a little bit better. So we'll have that luxury of doing that in Dallas. Well, and... and- kind of tell us the progression i mean you 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 started uh like you said you know a, a little underprepared but now you know you, you're making the lists you're on tv you're on social media you're 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 killing it across the board so can you see where that shift happened was it just kind of small changes the whole way small changes every day i mean we're constantly making changes you have to you got to stay on top of it you got to make sure your people are trained um, the volume we do here, you know, it's it's a blessing in disguise sometimes, but other times it's like, man, it's too much. But it forces your people to step up and um, do a better job. It, hiring good people is key. Uh, like Mark talked about earlier, we started with 30 people here a little five and a half years ago, and we still have 20 of those people. So the people are really what makes the business. Um and as far as our managers, we've got five managers. It's kind of a honeycomb style of management. They're all interchangeable. They can all do the same thing. And they were all promoted from within. So they didn't come in with outside GM experience. You know, they worked their, their way up from the bottom. So giving people opportunity to step up to the plate, it, when you do that, they will, um, if you've got the right people, obviously. So that's what we've done. We've given people the opportunity. And we're sending four people here in Austin that have been with us for a while to Dallas to help us get that open. Plus, all of those managers that have been with us for years and years here in Austin, they're all going to be training up there for a month. Um, so that's really, really going to help us get open up there. Well, so, you know, the, the operations are always interesting to me because I, I'm just impressed at, at the, the scale at which you guys work. Um, but what, what's the thing that, you know, when you get home, when you're – having your favorite scotch or a beer or whatever you do to relax that you think about like what 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 what's the the happy fond memories besides the boring stuff that like you know you guys love about this business the people you know the re- relationships that you develop with your coworkers you know we always tell people you don't work for us you work with us you know we're a team so you're only going to go as far as your staff's going to take you. So coming in and cultivating those relationships with your staff is really what's going to make your business grow and afford you the opportunity to, to branch out and do other things. And that's what we've been really, really good at is, is you know, bonding with our staff and creating those relationships. Um, and they're why we've been so, so successful, right? There's, I mean, there's a thousand places in Texas that can cook a really, really good, good brisket and cook good pork ribs. 
but can you do the other little, you know, intangible things? Can you build relationships um, with your staff, with your, your customers? Um, can you be efficient? Can you be, you know, reliable as, as far as your, your, the days you're open, the hours you're open, things like that? That's what's going to make your business grow. Well, and it's, uh, it's so fun to be in here. You guys have a great environment. You've got a, you know, ice chests. I don't even know how many beers are in there. Hundreds. You got racks of wine. Uh, you know, it, it's basically a party writing to happen. You guys, uh, you have a, you have a fun story from the, the people that have come or big groups or, I mean, it sounds like I heard them setting up. They're doing 30, 40 person groups today. So is that just kind of a normal thing at this point? Man, it's completely normal. That's another cool thing beyond the people that work here, the people that come in. It's so varied and it's unbelievable. I mean, on Saturday in the evenings, we'll have just as many bachelorette parties as bachelor parties. And, yeah, sometimes it can come or turn into kind of a party house, and that's why we don't really have an official bar or anything like that. Hey, but that's Texas barbecue, though, right? Exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's a backyard party. It's what it is right here in downtown Austin. We, we're able to really create that environment. Um and it's fun. So, you know, we'll get when F1 comes around, it'll be 70 percent foreigners in here. And it's exciting to see them. They've never seen a place like this. I've never seen them cut the meat like that in front of them. Um, just to, to see everybody and the looks on their faces from all various and various backgrounds and stuff like that is really cool. And to add on to that, you know, another cool thing is when there's no events going on, there's no F1, the ACL, South by Southwest. You go around, you start talking to people here, and it's all the people that live, you know, behind us in Bolden. It's it's all these neighbors that support us, um, and we've been able to develop and build relationships with the, the neighborhoods behind us as well. And so we've got a constant, you know, source of, of traffic coming through here, regulars and the out-of-town folks in the hotels down here, and, you know, the hotels bringing us people. So it's really cool. Do you, uh, <clears throat> do you guys get to hang out? I mean... The, the other thing that's unique is not only are you all cooking so much food, but you stay open till eight or nine o'clock every day. Was that a challenge to to not just selling out? Are you you had to figure out kind of how to cook in shifts? Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's a it's a luxury and it's a challenge because you know we know what we cook, we're most likely going to sell, so we don't have the issue of having a lot of leftovers or anything like that. But with cooking so much, obviously the time frames and making sure, like when you said we're at home relaxing, having a scotch or whatever, it's always like, okay, did we get this on by this time? Is this coming off on this time? So, I mean, it's a 24-hour operation. We have to have things go on exactly when we need it, and it's got to come off pretty close when we need it to get more stuff on. So uh, it never stops, man, figuring out exactly what to cook with the orders and the weather and all that. Uh, that's, that's, that's the tough part. The barbecue machine. It's a machine, man. <laughs> well, I mean, have you thought about changing the name to Terry Black's Brisket Factory or something? <laughs> I mean, it it really is. I, I uh, you know, for people that that haven't been here, I I tell them, you know, they say, hey, I hear they're cooking a lot, or I hear, you know, people hear about this place, obviously, but but uh, you know, I, I like to give them a, a sense of the scale at which things are happening because I don't think I, I'm not sure if there's any anywhere else in Austin cooking over a thousand briskets a week salt lake man yeah, if you consider that austin right I mean, yeah we, we indie what they cook but but you know the unique thing about us is we do it all on offset cookers 
So we've got offset pits out there. We have 5,000 gallon tanks here at the restaurant. We don't use rotisseries, which so many people eventually go to because they can just pump product out. Um, but, but we never wanted to do that. We wanted to come and do it the old school way on offset cookers and you know all homemade sides. So to do it at the volume that we do it, that's the crazy part because we're constantly cooking 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When something comes off, something goes on. Um, and to stay consistent at the volume that we do, that's the challenging part. So, I mean, it's I'm not going to say it's easy, but it's, it's, it's not very hard to do a pit of 25 briskets a day and, and sell out, right? But to do 150, 200 and keep the quality there, that's when it starts to get really, really tough. And is that uh, uh, across the board? You're just checking in with everybody? I mean, that's, that's cutting and trimming hundreds of briskets. That's seasoning them all evenly. That's watching the cook. I mean, is that you, you guys, obviously, when I see you, you know, you, you, you both usually have a cup of coffee or something, you know, a little bit of energy. But like, are you, do you feel like you have to supervise those things or could you guys kind of sit here all day with me and let it happen? We, we don't we don't feel like we have to supervise those things, right? Because our trimmer's been here for five years. Our, some of our cooks have been here for five years. But we enjoy it. You know, we enjoy being out there with those guys and pushing the envelope and, and how can we get better. Um, so Mark's usually here seven days a week. I'm here six days a week. I've got a wife and kid at the house. But we, it, we're here because we want to be, um, but not because we need to micromanage or, yeah. you know, see these people. But we stay on top of quality um, just to make sure that we stay consistent on a daily basis. And staying on top of quality means eating barbecue, so that ain't so bad either. We, we oh, eat yeah. it on a daily basis. We <laughs> definitely do. Uh, but you also have a, you know, uh, you have you have a pretty hot list of cooks. You know, Dylan Taylor worked here. Mighty Joe Yim is still racking up uh, YouTube views for his cook video from here. Uh, yeah, that was crazy. He, he texted Michael and I yesterday, I think, and he did like a time lapse i guess of the overnight cook here and what yeah. he does through the whole time and i think he's got seven hundred and fifty thousand views i think he Something can make like some that. money off of it he said yeah he actually i think he monetized it at this point um i'm still waiting for my youtube to get to the monetization part i got like a thousand more hours of views but i'll get there uh but but it you know it, you guys do a lot of things different one of them is you don't have to be here like you want to be here but you don't have to and a lot of people feel like if they're not at the restaurant everything's going to go to shit the other thing is that you you don't there's the old school way you know the the way of austin i've talked to a lot of big names in barbecue and whether or not they're on the microphone they 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 will complain about oh it's hard to find good help it's hard for this but you guys seem to not only find good help but you know i'm sure you'd love to have dylan taylor and, and joe here cooking but at the same time it's not like you're mad that they left you know it's i mean yeah it's 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 hard to find good help but it's also a training issue there's so many good people out there and there's so many skilled people out there now it's it's giving them you know the proper training um to be successful that's so i wouldn't say it's it's you know, really, really hard. No, you, you train someone, you treat them with respect and they're going to work very, very hard for you. Um, but you got to find people that are passionate about barbecue, not people that just want to come collect a paycheck. And yeah, that, that does take some time, but they're out there. That's for sure. Yeah. We got guys out there, Will and Josh and Jason that, I mean, they're cooking hundred, I think we average 170 briskets a day, somewhere around 1200 a week. And they're doing the same exact thing every single day. 
and they care day to day, you know, whether it's cold outside or windy or whether we got green wood or wood that's burning up like a matchstick. These guys are on top of it and they care. And I mean, it's unbelievable, man. Um, no matter the weather, uh, we got a poor pit room design in the back where the ceilings are about eight foot tall and it just traps all the heat under there. And it'll be 140 degrees back there. And these guys don't complain and they, they're just churning it out. I mean, it's crazy. Do you think that's because you guys don't complain either or setting the standard? We we treat them as good as we can. We love them, treat them like family. But, no, they, it, that's more about them, man. They they bring it. Well, and it's it's cool because I park my car. Even I've, I've, I've walked by, you know, after going to Barton Springs or whatever, and guys will text me from the pit room, hey, I just saw you walk by. What's up? Like every time I come, there's always someone waiting to shake my hand in the pit room because I, I spend as much time in the pit room as I do sitting in the restaurant. So it's cool to see, you know, to see the same guys, to, to run into people and to, to be able to kind of have that connection. I mean, you guys have a big sign that says, uh, ask for a pit tour, come to the pit. Like uh, some places they kind of hide the pits or they, they're not necessarily, you guys put them right in the parking lot and you welcome people to take pictures and stick their heads in or whatever yeah it's an experience that's what we want to create that's what you know everything's going to even shopping um so we try to give you an experience which is show you the pits you can you know see the fire you can smell the fat cooking down you can smell the smoke um show you how authentic it is and you know mark and i are, one of our philosophies is if you can teach somebody something then you can make them a customer for life so a pit tour can, you know, it can take it from a four star to a five star on, on any of these rating sites. So we want you to go out there, see the pits. We want to talk barbecue. Um, we want to get you excited about it, as excited as we are, and really create a super fan. And that's what, that's one of the areas that we've been able to capitalize on. Where a lot of these these pit people, I'm sorry, these barbecue restaurants, they don't want you to see the pits. You know, they're so secretive about how they do things, um, which, it's not part of our business model. Um, and, and I think it's a big selling point, especially to out-of-towners, uh, especially to amateur barbecue people that, that want to see it. They want to learn. So, Well, and it's cool that you can just walk in there and ask a question. But I like it because you guys are too busy to worry about the competition. And that's kind of the right way to deal with it, right? Well, I, yeah, and, and we like the competition. I mean, for us growing up in Lockhart, I, I'm sure I've told you this, with the four places, Kreitz, Smitty's, Blacks, and Chisholm Trail, we always saw that competition is what drives business. I mean, all four of those places are busy and do well. So coming to Austin where there's the new barbecue capital of Texas where there's all this competition, I mean, people come here to eat at Franklin's and don't want to wait in a line and come over here. People come to Terry Black's and enjoy it and want to go to try other places. So, I mean, there's plenty of love to go around, and we think the competition is good. Yeah, it really drives Austin barbecue um, and Central Texas barbecue. So the, the, the better the, the quality gets around here, it just elevates the Austin barbecue profile that much more. So, you know, we've got a, a lot of really unique business philosophies. Um, some others would, would agree with, some, some people probably wouldn't. But uh, I think that's our strong point is, uh, is the business side of things. You know, there, like I said earlier, there's a thousand people that can cook a good brisket, but how many of those people can run a good business? Um, and that's an area that, that we excel in. You know, if there's, if there's some article about Austin Barbecue and we're not on that list, so what? 
more people are going to come to Austin to try barbecue, and they'll be more likely to give us a shot. So the more the other people are doing good, the better it is for us. Exactly, exactly. Um, and getting open, you know, we, we said, how are we going to be different from other people? You know, somebody might say, okay, Franklin's or whoever else in Austin, that's the gold standard. That's their favorite barbecue, right? So if you're not going to beat them on quality, but you're close, where else can you be better than them? Okay, we're going to be open seven days a week. We're going to be open, you know, a.m. and p.m. And that's as simple as staggering your cooks, throwing stuff on later, and, and putting in the the work, um, you know, working 24 hours a day so that you can have barbecue later in the day. So, and there's a ton of different things that separate us from the pit tours, like I said, from the hours, the, the days of operation. Um, and that really, that, that separates us from the others, and it's, it's been really successful for us. Well, and, and it's, it's kind of a genius thing to have not only turn the pits into something that's part of the experience, but to think, okay, well, everyone sells out by two or three. Let's just stay open. Let's just cook a few more briskets. You know, there's a there's kind of a joke, you know, I'm sure every day you deal with this, which is like, oh, well, can't you just throw some more meat on the pit? Can't you just, you know, oh, you're out of this or and uh, and people don't get the hours, the, the, the half a day it takes to cook everything. Uh, so you basically are I mean, like right now, you guys are probably cooking for tomorrow, right? Yes. Yeah, so we have briskets on for tomorrow. Um, you know, in the, in the the thing about selling out is. You want to sell out because you don't want you don't you don't want leftovers. But how do you time it just right to where you sell out at the end of the day, which we are extremely good at. So we've got a, what we call the black book back there, and that's every day we've ever been open. We've got events going on in town, weather conditions, um, what we cooked, what we sold, what times we sold out, uh, how many orders went out. So we're able to to get it really really close to selling out between the eight and the nine o'clock hour. Um, sell out of turkeys, pork ribs. And, um, you know, we always try to have briskets left over, and we usually do. If you have stuff that's left over, um, you know, you can vacuum seal it and, and sell it as frozen briskets. You know, people always want to take those. We never seem to have enough. So just another unique thing about our business. Well, and those frozen briskets, they actually – I've now been uh, at multiple houses outside of Texas where people ordered the frozen briskets, um, some from my recommendation, and it's it's cool to see – you, you throw that thing in the oven, like you thaw it, throw it in the oven, it comes out almost like it's coming off the pit. It's really, it's surprisingly good. Very yeah, good. it's not bad. You know, we we don't do any shipping right now, but I've taken a couple of briskets over to Europe. We've sent them to Dubai with different military people and all that, and everyone loves them, man. So eventually we'll get into the shipping, um, and we can't wait to... <laughs> to spread the briskets far and wide even more i can't even imagine where i mean you, you could probably open a restaurant just for shipping i mean they they call them uh, ghost kitchens now it's a big thing in la where there's there's a kitchen that doesn't have you can't walk in the restaurant they only do deliveries they only do like it's literally a restaurant built just to to, to deliver that's wild yeah we're, we're working on something we'll see uh who knows how long it's going to take but we've got some fun projects up our sleeve that we're working on well, and, and speaking of, you know, good business practices, I like being here when, you know, I was here once when, the, when a favor guy was being impatient and tried to skip the line and you weren't having it. Um, I know there's a story about uh, that might have been a favor guy, too. Someone stealing all the tips. It was definitely a favor guy, yeah. Uh, you know, is it fun to be 
you know, modern businessmen, but at the same time, bring that kind of old school, like, we're, we're not going to take shit from nobody kind of <laughs> Lockhart attitude. Uh, <laughs> no, we're not, man. And uh, speaking of that, you know, not taking shit from anyone, one of our philosophies is, you know, people always say, you know, the customer's king, the customer's always right. No, that's, that's no. You're, you're not going to come in, you're not going to disrespect our employees, because at the end of the day, that's our family. Yeah. Now, we're never going to disrespect a customer at the same same time but um we're definitely not going to put up with people disrespecting our employees that's not going to fly with us yeah when you go through three thousand people on a saturday you're going to get those unruly people sometimes and uh we become pretty adept at handling that so well and i like it because it's uh it's a uh it's a nuance it's a way of being like hey you're you're the problem right now but like I'm gonna treat you like a customer, so it's like it's it's not like you're throwing shit or yelling, but you're just like, hey man, no, you're done. You, you can go yeah, now. Yeah, it's as simple as that. You know, <laughs> we're not gonna get all crazy with you. And exactly. You want to step out by the wood pit and brawl? Yeah, we're not gonna do that. We're just gonna say, hey, you know, you're wrong and you need to go. So. Well, and it's beautiful to see because I was at a restaurant, a nicer restaurant in Austin, the other night, and I just happened to be there, kind of before the the rush happened so the staff and the managers were just like a little more casual you know they're all kind of hanging out talking and i guess one of the guys uh was tried to call out or tried to call there was clearly like a beef and they started yelling at like the managers like yelling at someone on the floor and i'm just sitting there like whoo man this is like hard for me to be around because it's like it's not that hard to be like okay i need to talk to someone about something come with me you know like let's take this into private like seeing people yell at employees out front it's like it hurts well it's crazy because that's the same guy that's that's complaining about he, he just can't hire good people i just can't hire good people you know i don't know where to find them at no it's because you don't treat people with respect um so you can't keep good people around or you can't cultivate those relationships or properly you know train people with constructive criticism well, and so are you guys, you guys going to write like the Tao of barbecue or something? Is there like, you know, a, he a and I, we, we, we do a lot of consulting. Um, a lot of times it's after, after the fact, you know, restaurants come in and they're like, why are we not doing good? You know, it's like, we should have brought us in beforehand and we could have, you know, worked all this stuff out. But, uh, yeah, maybe one of these days we'll, we'll write a book. Um, neither one of us is not a right though. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we'll write a book about, you know, business in general, um, and our philosophies and, and, and then maybe we'll write another book about working together as a family in business. What to do, he and I's relationship, you know, with our sister, father, and mother, as opposed to what not to do with with uh, with my uncle. <laughs> well, and, and is there, uh, I mean, you gave us a, a few ideas. Like, is there a general philosophy or some of these principles? Like, what, what do you think is really the basis for a, a solid restaurant or a solid business? I mean, for me... It starts with quality, obviously. I don't think you could come into Alston and not have a quality product that you're proud of. And then the basic is on customer service. You come to Terry Black's, you're not going to get wine and dine like a five-star restaurant, but you should have basic good customer service and high-quality meal. And then beyond that, it's about cultivating relationships. Like you're talking about uh, you coming back. It's the best way to grow the business is word of mouth. And we haven't spent a dime on marketing and we don't plan to. We plan to try to give people a great meal and a great experience and then let it evolve from there. Right, yeah. Uh, like Mark said, 
a good quality product is, is your, at your baseline. Um, there's so many other little things that you have to do to be successful. You know, like you said, customer, uh, customer service, your employee relationships, cooking, like that's the easy part, right? There's a thousand people that can, that can cook a good brisket, like I've said numerous times now. But, but can you do the other little things to run a good business? Well, and speaking of wine and dine, I mean, you've got a rack of, of wine. How many, how many wines do you guys sell alone? You know, I, I think we got, what, 18 bottles over there, 12 bottles? Like 12 bottles. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of Texas wine, trying to support the Texas yeah. wine industry. Shout, uh, shout out to Jason Heisaw. Jason Heisaw put that together. He's a man, dude. There's, that guy's one of a kind. Yeah. Shout out to, uh, yeah, Jason, like Mark said. Shout out to, to Phil Price, who he thinks is the best winemaker in Texas. Boom. He, he's, uh, he's pushing the envelope. He's doing some really cool things. That's a name to look out for, Phil Price. And, so uh, with the wine, though, I mean, we had so many people coming through here, like I said, on a Saturday and F1 and all that. We said, look, there's a lot of probably wine drinkers, uh, French people, Spanish people, whatever. So we were like, we need to build something for wine. So we got that in place. And I bet we sell more wine than most any barbecue place out there. It's crazy. You know, we put it out there and we, we sell it. I don't know if that's 100% truthful. I, I think we were more the wine drinkers, and we love wine, so we thought, hey, let's bring it on, and, and <laughs> we can offer it to the customers as well. Well, and I know that you guys might be actually trying to produce your own wine here in a little bit, right? We're not trying. It's happening, man. Yeah? We're, uh, yeah, we're opening a little winery resort, uh, super high-end development just south of town, and uh and we're making wine this season, this this harvest. Uh, all of our wine and grapes have come in, so amazing. That's a big project coming yeah, coming next well, year. I never know with you guys what's uh you know what what's allowed on on camera or not. So I want to make sure before I announce anything. <laughs> <laughs> Man, yeah, we got a thousand different projects going on, but the wine thing is, is something we've been working on for a long time. And we bought you know a lot of grapes from the High Plains, the Lubbock area, and then we bought. Um, some from Salt Lake Vineyards as well, which Salt Lake's producing some really, really good grapes. So excited to, to taste that fruit. But it's in production, and we're sparing no expense. <laughs> so it's going to be good, high-quality stuff. Yeah, it sounds amazing, and I'm hoping that maybe the, the second half of this episode will be uh, you know, going out there maybe one of these days or going up to Deep Ellum. Either way, it, I'm, I'm excited to kind of chase around all y- y'all's projects because it really is a... There's so much to it. Hey, everyone that's listening to this show, they, they've heard, you know, how to cook a brisket. They've heard all the, the barbecue stuff. They're probably bored with that. They, they probably want to hear, hear us talk about wine, which yeah. excites us because there's so many similarities to barbecue and the, the craft and, and everything that goes into making good quality wine. So that's something he and I, we perk up and we get excited to talk about. So maybe that'll be our next segment. Yeah, and is there a, do you have a, you know, a, not necessarily the brand, but the type of wine. Is there a type that has rosé kind of flying off the shelves, or do you have a specific <laughs> one that you're seeing kind of pop off? We sell a lot of rosé here. I mean, a ton of rosé, um, a lot of Tempranillo and Malbec, and then obviously Cab, man. Um, but it's, it varies across the board. We sell a little bit less white, but rosé and, and, and uh, full-bodied reds, a lot of those. Well, and like you said, I mean – you, you you made it sound like you can't be wine to dine, but I know from being here that you've got the wine, 
y- yes, you might not have a plate, but I almost prefer the the family style. I love having just a big platter, bunch of people just talking, drinking, just kind of you know it, it it breaks down a barrier. You know when you when you don't necessarily all have a a, a fancy tablecloth and and silverware and all this stuff. Like I I love using my hands. But at the same time, you've got these bachelor parties. You've got these people staying here late. I mean, ha- you guys ever have trouble, like, shutting down? Is it is it tough some nights? You're like, oh, man, it's 930, and these guys don't want to leave, and we're having... Sometimes, you know, because it cultivates such a great experience. You know, barbecue, you're sharing this, like you said, this big tray of, of meat and food, and you're all kind of picking at it together. Um, and, then, and then, you know, uncorking a bottle of wine, you're sharing a bottle of wine. It's So there's similarities there, right? And... It, it really helps, you know, build a camaraderie and, and bring your group together. You know, if, if you've got a bunch of business people from all over the world and they're sitting at a table together and they're sharing barbecue and wine, it really helps cultivate those relationships. Um, talk to a lot of business people that says, hey, I've cut a lot of deals at Terry Relax Barbecue. <laughs> and it, it, you don't get that same thing at a steakhouse, right, where you're eating off your plate and you're just kind of eating, not really talking much. But when you really you're sitting shoulder to shoulder, you're touching elbows and you're, and you're sharing um, you you can cut a lot of business deals, right? <laughs> I like to think this is this is how they used to eat back in the day, man. They everyone kind of family style all together. Um, so I don't know, it's it's cool. It's a unique experience. Well, and and you guys work the floor. The guys you have working the floor are they're they're aware, and it's something you know. In some places, there's just a guy that kind of cleans up after people. Half the time. They already, they're like hawks. Like they see, oh, these guys look like they're about done. Can I take this? Can I help you? You need more drinks? Like, especially when you guys are here, it's like, it's beautiful to see you kind of work the floor and say, you guys need anything else? Hey, let me, let me fill up your tea. Let me, you know, those little things like you're talking about, those little things are so exceptional and they're so fun to be in that space because I know not only am I not going to get the like people yelling and like bad service, but I, on top of that, we're going to get something that's that's beyond just sitting here and eating barbecue. You're, you're going to be like, oh, wow, they really like we're paying attention to us the whole time. Customer service, is, it, it, that's the easy part, right? It, I mean, it is, but it isn't. It's it's easy in that you can it's so easy to walk up to someone and say, hey, you know, how are you doing today? How, how's everything? Um, now, it's getting the people to do that. Right. So training your people properly and um, and getting them to realize the benefit of that. I guess there's the challenge involved but our people are so good and that's something that we constantly express to them go up talk to every single table ask them how they're doing can you get them anything um build those those relationships and, and that's going to drive repeat business they they got to be on top of it i mean they know and about six months ago we were having an issue where we were getting people through the line too fast and we didn't have enough seats so we found out a way to add about 12 more seats and now it's almost perfect. As soon as someone's done getting their food at the chopping block, a seat opens up. So they got to have it clean. They got to have it ready and, and be on top of it. So, yeah, they're super aware of their surroundings. Well, and that's a challenge that, that's unique to y'all, which is, you know, getting people through the line too fast. Most places, you know, if the line's out the door, like I see it here all, all day, it's, a, it's something like an hour wait. But here... You can be almost standing in the parking lot, and you still maybe got 25, 30 minutes at the most. Yeah, we pump them out, man. It's set up for, uh, set up for efficiency. The, the people on the line, the people cutting the meat, the floor guys, uh, it's a fine-tuned machine, man. 
Well, speaking of, uh, you know, I ask everyone who's on the show, what's your message to the enthusiasts, the people that want to open their own restaurant or they're cooking in their backyard or they're selling their first three briskets? Uh, you know, what's your message to the, the people sitting in a pit room right now listening to the show? For me, it's stick with it. Um, I mean, we, we started pretty busy here, but it's the, the constant grind of just staying on top of it and figuring out ways you think it's going to be better and experimenting and developing relationships with employees so you can focus on other things. Um, it just takes a lot of time, man. Um, it's, it's not just as simple as, oh, I'm going to cook briskets three days a week and be done. I mean, what are you going to do the four, the four days of the, the week and to, to make it better when you are doing it? So stick with it. Yeah, constant grind. You know, when we first got open, we worked a little over 400 days straight. We are putting in 16, 17 hours a day. Um, so you got to grind, especially to get open, to build that business, build that brand. Um, but don't cut corners, you know. So you know, we buy the highest quality meat. And like I said earlier, we got open a little too fast. We've since learned from that. Get your people trained. Um, you know, open efficiently and... Um, Everything else will kind of work itself out, right? Yeah. Uh, a strong message of quality from the Black Brothers. Uh, I, I really appreciate y'all taking the time because I know how busy you are. And uh, it's just it's cool to see even just, you know, people are putting together to-go orders and all kinds of stuff behind us. So, Mike and Mark, thank you for being on the show. And uh, let, well, let's get to work. Let, let us say thanks for, for what you do, bringing the attention to Texas barbecue and Austin barbecue in general. Like I said earlier, um, no matter the spotlight you're putting on anybody else, everyone benefits from it. So uh, you're out there grinding every day like all of us. So we really appreciate that, man. Hey, thank you. I'm yep. happy to grind. Trying to work as hard as you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they come in and meet, man. Y'all will see me eat, man. Hit on the meat man, y'all to see me eat now. I got jaws like a bear trap, a teeth like a razor. I made tack tongue with a sensitive taster. I was born out in Texas called the land of beef. Never catch a muscle greener, showing the hell that like a meat on the 